Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the second hour is here for OutKick 360. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow, you can hit us up at OutKick 360 on social. You can find us. On YouTube, Sorry, streaming Brooke. live at Outkick.com. I, I had a cup that Brooke didn't want on the set, so I always have to apologize to her. Brooke, oh, one of our yes. producers. Yeah, it's like the. I was uh, doing so well all show, not having the the, the drink up there, and then it's like the uh, the coffee cup on Game of Thrones on the set. Yeah, look, we want to project an atmosphere that you know is both rustic, <laughs> as Corey puts the barn wood around us. <laughs> we want this to be friendly to everyone, but it's very much a specific time and place on this show. We're surrounded by moonshine. We got this desk in front of us. It's a very outkicky type thing, uh, and if something intrudes that space, Hutton, it throws off the entire aesthetic. So what I try to do is not have that cup from that particular yeah. company on the <laughs> desk, and I failed to do that when right when we came back. So I apologize to Brooke for that. It won't happen again, Brooke. I promise. Chad, you walked to get this coffee and paid the price in the downpour. Just pouring rain. And Corey, who's uh, working our radio affiliation uh, of our, all of our affiliates today, was nice enough to give me his rain jacket. And, I mean, you can see this thing from the moon. It is so bright. I, I, I walked in there, and I thought I was going to have to park some people's cars for yeah. them because I look like the valet walking over. This like is the brightest. out for a traffic adjustment. It's, it's, the, like uh, a road. it's like highlighter color, <laughs> the jacket that he has that I walked over there. But it was a save, savior, so thank you, Corey, because I was dry for that reason. The NFL draft order uh, starts, of course, with the Chicago Bears, followed by the Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, Indianapolis Colts, and Seattle Seahawks. But, Chad, in terms of quarterback and the race to get your guy, the Bears are in a great spot to trade down and achieve multiple first-round picks, which they traded up for whenever they went after Justin Fields. Uh, of course, uh, he'll be a second-year general manager in Ryan Poles, and Kevin Warren's taking over the organization officially on April 17th. But you've got to get ahead of the Houston Texans, but also the Indianapolis Colts. And if you start looking down the, the top 10, the Raiders the Panthers, and at some point, Tampa Bay is going to need to go get one. There's several teams that are going to be clamoring for a top-five selection. This is the opposite of last year. Yeah, my team that I threw out there was the Panthers at nine, making the move up with the Bears. I do think the Bears ultimately trade that for someone that wants Bryce Young. Someone's going to trade up, get Bryce Young number one. I had the Panthers in that spot. Dan Z, who writes at OutKick, has his mock draft up right now. He's reading through that. He's got the Colts as the team at number four that's going to trade up to number one to get Bryce Young. That would be a very culty thing to do based on their luck with the number one overall pick. And I mean that yeah. Uh, yeah. pun intended right. with Andrew Luck. 
Now, they just had the number one pick. They didn't have to trade up for it, but Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck when they had the number one pick, not bad. Will they trade up from four to go get Bryce Young as the next quarterback of the Colts? Uh, There's a lot of interesting scenarios with some of these teams. Some, it's a no-brainer. They're going to go top quarterback with their spot, Texans being another one. Some other ones could go a number of different ways. And I still think the Bears, if they were to stay in that spot, it's a little bit interesting as to what they do and what they see in Justin Fields. But uh, Ryan Ryan Poles, their GM, said, I'd absolutely have to be blown away to take a quarterback at number one. He's already saying that. But he can be. That's him also saying he could be. See, that's, to me, just leaving the door wide open. Because if you're sold on Justin Fields, then you're saying, now, some of this is gamesmanship, too. You want anyone that's yeah. wanting to trade up to number one to at least think that you could draft a quarterback. I forget who it was one year that had the number one pick the year before, a high pick with a quarterback, that kept playing that game of, I don't know, we might draft a quarterback, when everyone knew they wouldn't because they were trying to trade out. But they wanted to give the impression they could take that top quarterback. And I forget who the quarterback was and what year it was, but that could also just be the game of, well, maybe we will draft Bryce Young if you don't give us what we want for this trade so you can trade up and draft him. Well, and then you have the case of like the Arizona Cardinals who had Josh Rosen – Kingsbury lands there, new head coach. They draft Kyler Murray, number one overall, when the draft was here in Nashville. Yep. Um, could you see something like that? Because Kyler Murray's coming off the ACL. He's not going to be ready for week one of the regular season. They draft third. And then look at the two teams, Seattle and Detroit, with at number five and number six, teams that achieve more than what we would have expected this year. Based on trades, they have top ten selections, and they're in a great spot moving forward as an organization. Yeah. So, it's, uh, this is this is advantageous for them. And meanwhile, you've got Denver and LA who are desperate for picks but don't have them. Well, and the Raiders. I know we're going to get to Derek Carr's statement coming up, but, I mean, you know, are we discounting them as a team that could trade up to no, number one or number yeah. two and, and go get the quarterback they want if, if they're in love with one of these quarterbacks? Um, is there a quarterback that – we aren't valuing as high right now that's going to be overpicked, maybe. Yes, Will, Will Levis. Well, Will Levis, we know for sure, wherever, wherever he goes in the first round. If it's in the first round or first half, he's going to be overpicked. I'll give you an example. Anthony Richardson. I could see Anthony Richardson being a Raider. I could see someone going too high for Anthony Richardson because of that enormous ceiling that he has. His floor is incredibly low based on the level of development he still needs at this point in time. Um, I look at Will Levis, and I think, I don't like him as a prospect, but Will Levis's floor is way higher than Anthony Richardson. Yes. I think we kind of know what yes. he's going to be or what he could be in the league. I don't think his ceiling is nearly as high as Anthony Richardson. Uh, Richardson. So does somebody do something that we're not expecting right now? We know that's going to happen in the draft, and someone's going to get more traction in all the coverage leading up to the NFL draft. But will Anthony Richardson be that quarterback that suddenly skyrockets into the top 10? And which of these teams goes after Derek Carr? He's officially yep. out in Las Vegas with the statement he released today. And it was lengthy, but just the, the highlights of the statement. It's especially hard to say goodbye because I can honestly say I gave everything I had every single day in season and in the off season. It certainly wasn't perfect, but I hope I was able to leave you with more of a few great memories as Raiders fans. I once said that if I'm not a Raider, I would rather be at home, and I meant that, but I never envisioned it ending this way. That fire burning inside of me to win a championship still rages. 
He's played in one playoff game. He's been incredibly unlucky, even in some really solid seasons. And in other seasons, he hasn't been good. And the up-and-down play led to a lot of the inconsistencies for Oakland slash Las Vegas. But I think a fresh start for him can work wonders for a quarterback that's got a huge arm, is an overall good guy, and is motivated to make sure he goes into a season with the top talent around him in order to win as much as they can. He took less money from the Raiders on the contract extension in order to allow others to be paid. Now, everyone got paid, but he's, he's that type of guy. He's the opposite of Deshaun Watson, and I think there is value in that. The question is, what's the price tag, and which team is set up for him the best? Because not every team is ready for the veteran. Some need the rookie to come in and take over, and you build, and you develop, and you draft around them. Others need that one final piece. And Carr could provide that. I don't think he's a wipeout like Russell Wilson if you go after him and add him to a veteran-laden roster. Let me give you one team that would interest me. Uh, if, if his goal is to win a Super Bowl, okay? Mm-hmm. So going with a team that I think is on the rise with great young talent that's going to be coming into their own soon, that could make sense for him. The Jets. Yes, that's a great one. That's one that I look at and, and immediately say, okay, that's a team that I think could use his veteran persona. They could use a little bit of that leadership. They could use a little bit of that, hey, I've been there, I've done that, I've been in this league a long time. This is what we need to do. And the talent is better, I think, right now there than a lot of other places that would be an option for them. The Jets are still, they're kind of coming out of that rebuild mode into compete mode right now in going into next season. For much of this season, they were competing for a playoff spot and they were very competitive. I think next year is where the expectation starts if they have some sort of option at quarterback. Zach Wilson's not going to be that guy. Mike White's a nice story. I don't think Mike White is going to be a long-term it's solution. A backup option, yes. Derek Carr for two or three years with a good supporting cast, good good young receivers around him, an up-and-coming defense. I think that's a nice solution possibly for the Jets. Well, and the Jets are also going to have a new offensive coordinator. They have fired Matt LaFleur, so or Mike LaFleur, excuse me. So Don't mix up your LaFleurs. Yeah, sorry, LaFleur. But speaking of LaFleur, what about Green Bay? If, if the Packers move on from Aaron Rodgers this offseason, Derek Carr can be a solution there. Carolina is another one. Um, again, I, I think he, he could end up being one of those with just a uh, – you could drop him in and with the right dynamic. Jets are a good one, Chad, because they've got a great defense. They have young, talented receiver. Uh, they've rebuilt and they continue to re- try to re- revamp that offensive line. And they're right there on the cusp, even with bad quarterback play. He's also going to be highly, highly motivated the way things went down with the Raiders. Not that he, he wouldn't be you know, anywhere with, under any circumstance, but I think that left such a bad taste in his mouth because of how it went down at the end of the year that he's going to be ready to go. One more for you. Houston. Where he, he goes back to where his, he goes where his brother was drafted. Yeah. And finishes his career there. As the veteran QB, they've got to find their quarterback. He he's he could obviously start for the Texans. I I just don't know if where Houston is right now if that would be the spot he'd want to go hmm. because they're still not close. 
Fair enough. They yeah. don't and look. They don't look close. I don't look at them and think yeah, next year is going to be the big turnaround for the Texans. I still think it's probably another year after that. And I'm I'm just thinking of naturally for a veteran guy, like you said, where can you just drop him in, parachute Derek Carr in to a training camp and get ready to go and go be in the playoffs right out of the bat. I think the Jets are a possibility for that with him. Devontae Adams, who the Raiders traded for with Green Bay, he the the numbers this season are incredible. He had fifty percent of all of the Raiders receiving touchdowns this past season. Uh, to put that in perspective, Amari Cooper was second on that list with 47%, followed by A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore on, on any receiver over 40%. But he only ends up in Vegas because his former college quarterback, Derek Carr, was there. And he was recently asked if he wants to remain in Vegas. And we'll make decisions that you don't have a say in. But if they get you a quarterback that you know can get you a ball, do you want to come back and be a Raider again next year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I, I came here, you know, I wouldn't have been here or ended up here um, originally probably, you know, if Derek wasn't here. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I won't be here, you know, in, in the event that he's not here. Um, he's my, that's, that's my boy. Obviously, I got his back through everything. I think I've made that more than clear at this point, and, and I support him and support everything that he has, um, you know, moving forward as well. But, um, you know, my, my dream is to play for this team before he was a Raider, obviously, and at this point, I want to, you know, obviously try to make this thing work and, and, and continue on doing what I'm doing here and, um, you know, myself get better and obviously see the team grow and get better as well. It's hard not to think of Devontae Adams, a true number one top five receiver. Uh, and, I mean, they're asking him if he wants to remain a Raider. He signed a five-year, $141.2 million contract whenever he was traded. Uh, I would want to stay and remain a Raider based on that contract too. Uh, but... It doesn't feel like Josh McDaniels is just going to go with a rookie or with Jarrett Stidham, right? It, this, the, the idea that they're not going to bring in one of these vets, I, I just don't see how they, they just hit the free agent wire and just try to retool. I, I, Josh McDaniels brought in there to win. You know, he, they, that's something he did not do in Denver. He waits a decade. He chooses Las Vegas. Um, reports are he's not out midway through the season because that, the only reason is because they can't afford to fire him, which, I mean, maybe so. But the this feels like Brady to me. It feels like a Tom Brady-type stop. And if Aaron Rodgers wants out, who's to say that, that they don't pair up again out West? I, I think one of the top names at the quarterback position ends up with Josh McDaniels and ultimately, Devontae Adams is better off for it. Yeah, I think Brady's a good one to throw out there with the, the McDaniels connection with him. It's amazing to me that there's a reaction to a guy who signed that five-year contract with a team who's got four more years on his contract, that there's some reaction of saying, yeah, I want to stay with the team. Well, of course. Isn't it sad, though, that there's an option that he could just be like, no, I want out. Uh, I don't like the way things are headed, so trade me somewhere else. I want to go to a contender. Uh, he's set to make – he made 3.5 in base. This is, of course, a, a back-loaded contract with all the guaranteed money up front. Yeah. $6 million next year. Then it goes to 16.8, 35.6, and then 35.64 in 2026. Yeah, so he, he's Over the out life after of his 24. contract. Yeah. At the at, – maybe before that. <laughs> maybe sure. out after next maybe. year based on the way things look for the Raiders, but – I mean, yeah, he's under contract, so that, that's the right answer. 
uh, for D- Devontae Adams. You signed there for a reason, and you're getting paid a ton of money. Uh, now you sit back and see what's going to happen at quarterback. But nothing good happens at quarterback. Tough. That's part of your contract. You go and you play the best you can with a bad quarterback, and you probably have no chance of the playoffs a year from now. But I think you're onto something, Hutton. If, if it is a, a Brady or an Aaron Rodgers pairing with him, that would be a team to watch. It's obviously going to be very relevant next year. The, the other one could be Jimmy Garoppolo, who Josh McDaniels also knows well. So that's I think that three pack is is worthy of paying attention to in Vegas. With with Brady though, I would look at Miami. I mean, he could ultimately stay in Tampa too, based on how things go in this postseason. Uh, we will have one big thing on every NFL playoff game that's coming up in a, a little over an hour from right now. When we come back though, Chad Zach Elberverde is going to join us from Gator Nation, or excuse me, uh, Gator Online and the Gator Online podcast. And Zach's going to help us try to figure out the puzzle that is Jaden Rashada and what's going on in Gainesville to lead to this mess and this speculation that they don't have the NIL set up in order to keep their top quarterback recruit happy already. He joins us, and we'll dive into that on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chad, you say what's happening with Jaden Rashada in Gainesville is just scratching the surface on where we're headed with NIL. Welcome back, Outkick 360, across the Outkick network. And we're certainly seeing it some across college athletics, but this one's taken a a new turn based on what Florida needs and the NIL aspect of are they or are they not able to pay him, right? Like that's, that's the story, and it's one of the top prospects. And with more, we welcome in Zach Elberverde, of Gators Online and the Gators Online Podcast. Zach, thank you for the time, man. Appreciate you guys having me. How's everyone doing? Do, doing very well. Hope you are. Um, is is Jaden Rashad, has he asked for his release from his letter of intent or not to this point? Uh, at this point, that's not something that I cannot confirm. Uh, but, at, you know, we have to go off what his dad says. He's the only one this week that's been on record about anything. And he says that they have not. So uh, that's kind of where things stand on that front. But if this NIL 
snag doesn't get work, worked out, then, um, you know, that, that letter of intent could be a mute point uh, because they got to get that resolved before they can cross that bridge. What is the NIL snag exactly? Is it through a collective? Is it through someone with the program specifically? What, what What's happening yeah. that was promised versus what, what's not been delivered? Yeah, I mean, details are obviously murky there. Um, but I, I could definitely say it's not anything from the program standpoint. Like, this is not Billy Napier's fault. Um, this is not a situation where he's, you know, upset with the coaching staff or like, uh, you know, having second guesses about going to Florida or being that far away from home. This is clearly a situation where, uh, you know, as has been reported by the Orlando Sentinel, that the deal that was uh, either agreed to or signed to after he, you know, signed with Florida uh, is not something that uh, is being honored or is not what he expected it to be. And, and that's, you know, what it looks like is what's being worked on right now. And they're trying to resolve before we get to Friday, which is the end of the drop ad window at the University of Florida for the spring semester. So if he's not enrolled in classes and at least having a class schedule by, you know, this time tomorrow, um, it, it looks at the very least like he won't be on campus for the spring. And if that's the case, then uh, there's going to be some concerns about when he when or if he will get to campus at all. When you look back, let's go back a little bit because I think it'll color what's going on right now with Rashada and how Billy Napier might handle this situation. Billy Napier, to me, seemed like a guy throughout the season that was running guys off uh, of this roster that he didn't want to be around. He had no problem being heavy-handed and telling guys to leave if they didn't want to be a part of it. Am I right in assuming that with some of the guys that left the program? Or is this a situation where... They just didn't like Billy Napier from the start, and he's losing guys that otherwise he wanted on the roster. Yeah, I mean, they honestly, they have a mix of all kinds of departures. You know, you've got three dismissals, um, two that were decisions that Billy made. Uh, and, 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 you know, as I kind of reported, definitely didn't make lightly. Uh, you know, I think it's never uh, easy to do something like that. But when you're trying to set a culture and you're trying to set expectations, Sometimes you get to a point. Uh, obviously, the Jalen Kitna situation was was uh, yeah. There was no thinking about that decision. And then you've got the the transfer portal departures, which I think is at twenty two now. It's three starters. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I I think that probably the majority of those guys um, you know are taking advantage of this new system and, and aren't happy with their playing time. They they weren't playing at Florida. And maybe regardless of who the coach was or who the position coach was, they were probably going to look for a new opportunity. But the guys that left after the bowl game, the two starting offensive linemen, one of the starting defensive backs in the secondary, um, that's a little bit more concerning because those are guys that were, you know, playing and really had no reason to leave. So are they just unhappy because they were part of two six and seven teams and they want uh, a fresh start? Do they do they want a specific position that they want to play? Are they unhappy with their position coach? Um, those are some things that, uh, you know, you or look at that are a little bit more concerning, but you're talking about three guys. Um, so the way that Florida combats this obviously is through additions from the portal. So they've got 35 roster departures and they've signed 21 guys and they've landed six transfers. So they're 27 to 35, uh, you probably still need to land a few more transfers here to kind of offset what you've lost from an attrition standpoint. Um, 
But this is a, a complete roster rebuild that Florida's going through. You're talking about replacing 13 starters. And if you go back to their week one depth chart uh, and the 64 scholarship guys that were on there, 44% of those guys are gone now. So you're, you're talking about almost half of your depth chart that you started the season with is being replaced. So um, they are definitely in rebuild mode here in Gainesville. One of the guys coming in is Graham Mertz at quarterback. And Zach, the the, the Jaden Rashada element of this as they rebuild the yeah. roster, how is he worth it? What what does that mean for Billy Napier's program to keep Rashada around? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's the, the crown jewel of your class, and he's kind of the future of the quarterback position along with DJ Lagway. Um, so... I think in the long term, if he doesn't make it to campus, even if for the spring, let's say he gets delayed until the fall, um, that would just be a disappointment in terms of his development and trying to get a head start on his career. But I think, you know, long term, if he doesn't make it to campus at all, uh, that's where it would really hurt. I think in the in the immediate future, I mean, I don't see him starting next season unless he either comes in and lights it up or Florida season is not going well and they just decide to turn the page and start building toward the future. But I mean, they're not going to roll out a true freshman for that season opener uh, against the, you know, defending back-to-back Pac-12 champs and Cam Rising on the road at Utah. I mean, Graham Mertz is probably going to get that start. I mean, you're talking about a guy who would be making his 40th career start versus even a guy in Jack Miller who would be making his first career road start. So I think he's even he's even got the upper hand on uh, Miller as well. And that's why he came to Florida. I mean, I don't think he came to ride the bench, um, I, you know, but nonetheless, you're going to give all those guys an opportunity to win the job. And Rashad is certainly going to get that opportunity. But it's key for him, I think, definitely to get on campus uh, in the spring. Otherwise, it's definitely a Mertz-Miller battle going into the fall. And we knew that Florida was going to get a transfer quarterback based on Richardson leaving and the, the lack of depth there. Was Graham yeah. Mertz their top option? You know, there were guys like Devin Leary who ended up at Kentucky. Uh, I, I know uh, the uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but the quarterback at Coastal Carolina, uh, Grayson McCall, yeah. you know, was an option at one point too for Auburn or Florida. What's your understanding of where Mertz was on the pecking order of guys that were a possibility for the Gators? Yeah, I mean, I. I would imagine that he probably wasn't their top target just based on some of the, the the names that were out there, but they seemingly zeroed in on him pretty quickly uh, once they got going in that process. So he came and took in a, a visit and I think at the time didn't have an offer. Um, and then he did land one and eventually made the commitment. So, you know, I mean, I think Sam Hartman, you know, he would have been somebody, I think Drake may, if he had, he entered the portal, that certainly would have been somebody that Florida would have had interest in, but um, I think at the end of the day, they had to pretty pretty act fast here um, because of the situation with Anthony Richardson and having to get somebody, honestly, to come in for the spring and compete with Miller. I mean, because uh, even if Rashada gets here, he's going to be swimming, you know, the first couple of weeks and just trying to learn the playbook and, and, and uh, you know, acclimate as a true freshman. So Mertz is going to push Miller uh, and, and, and himself learn the offense. So they clearly wanted a guy that was an experienced starter, a multi-year guy, um, and I, that's what they're getting in Mertz. So I definitely, if he wasn't their top option, he probably was certainly in that top group just because of, you know, kind of the boxes that he checks off and what Florida needed. Zach Elberverde, our guest from Gators Online and the Gators Online podcast. 
Uh, while we we're talking uh, quarterbacks and Anthony Richardson, what what's your expectation for him at, in the, at the pro level? Whenever he declared for the draft, Chad and I have both said, we don't think he's ready. Um, maybe we're wrong. You see him up close. But from <laughs> what we've seen, uh, I, I would have preferred him stay for a year. I understand the money's the money. I just don't see it the way he must see it. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is, you know, if if he didn't, if he wasn't getting the pro- projections and the grades, uh, you know, first round grades that he's received, um, I don't think he would be probably looking at it the same way. But even as he struggled through the early part of the 2022 season, he was still getting uh, first round projections, even top 15 projections for what that's worth. Um, now, if that's where his stock is, you know, even if he's a late round guy. Um, he's probably only going to improve it by going through the draft process, going to a combine and, you know, jump, putting up ridiculous numbers, uh, having his pro day workout. Uh, you know, he's a real personable guy. I think he'll do well in the interview process. Um, but I, I think not only the money, like you mentioned, but just, um, you know, when you really think about it, the, his past two years playing and being featured in Florida's offense, he was hurt a lot. Uh, you know, obviously it was documented a lot in 2021, but this past season, he said at the end of the year against Florida State that he's basically been dealing with an ankle injury all year. And you could tell at times because there were some games where he just it seemed like he was not aggressive in the run game. And uh, there were times where he took hits, got his ankle rolled, had to go to the tent. So I just think the injury history there, what he's kind of been through, being a dual threat guy, knowing he was going to go through another pounding in the SEC next year if he came back. And the fact that he's getting those grades, uh, I think all that kind of factored into once we got to the end of the season, I expected that he was going to make that jump, even if he's necessarily not ready uh, or if he could have improved his stock by coming back another year. Um, But I think the risk of getting hurt for a third year in a row is not something that he wanted to take. Zach, it's a new era in coverage for a major college sports team. There's no doubt about it. You're covering football and basketball and other sports. You're also covering collectives. You're covering different things around it with recruiting. What's your understanding of the collectives associated with Florida? Were you surprised or not surprised when you hear reports and whispers of a check bouncing for a player, so to speak, when it comes to a situation like this? Yeah, I mean – I. You know, my understanding is, is you know, obviously it looks like the deal that's been reported is not something that, uh, um, you know, the, the parties involved want to move forward with and, and, and certainly on the collective side of things. Um, but, you know, Florida's got an interesting setup in that, you know, they have the Gator Collective, which basically, they, I mean, they kind of facilitate all the deals. I mean, anybody that is an athlete at Florida and signs an NIL deal, it's with the Gator Collective. Now, where the money in those deals comes from is different sources. You know, so if we're talking football players and the football team, you know, the top probably 20, 30 guys on that team, they're getting NIL deals that are funded through the Gator Guard, which is Hugh Hathcock, a couple other million dollar donors that are basically, you know, the payroll for the sponsorships that the football team has. Um so they're funding that team. And then you've got guys like Gary Condren that provide NIL sponsorships for the baseball players. It was, you know, came out this week, uh, Jeff Noodleman, he sponsored every women's basketball player for a thousand dollars. So these people put up the money and then the Gator collective, you know, writes these contracts, kind of signs the athletes to the deal. And then they make sure that they meet all their obligations to fulfill it. Um, so, 
uh, you know, a, a situation like this where, uh, you know, you got large dollar amounts that's being thrown out there with Jaden Rashada. Um, that's probably, I mean, that's not coming from the football program and that's not even coming from the Gator Collective. Um, that's, that's coming from, you know, some of these higher ups uh, that, that are putting up this money. So it's a, it's a, it's a wild, weird, crazy uh, situation that we've seen happen here and play out throughout the college sports landscape, not just college football. Uh, it has been uh, difficult to keep up with and, and watch it evolve. I mean, I feel like I have a, a good understanding of how Florida's collectives work, uh, but clearly there are you know, still issues that are happening. Uh, but this is, I think, what you get into when you get into these type of bidding wars and these type of uh, high-profile players that require these type of deals. I mean, the other 16 uh, early signees that the Gators just had enroll on campus. I would imagine all those guys have deals with the Gator Collective. Uh, there was no drama involved with them. You know, they're probably happy with what they're going to get at Florida. So it's it's when you get into this type of territory and these type of bidding wars where um, you could find yourself in some situations that you don't want to be. So it sounds like that's what Florida's trying to get out of. Uh, and they got to resolve it by Friday. Otherwise, everybody's going to be wondering what the future is going to be with Rashada. With what you know about Billy Napier and his personality, are we close to him saying, here's the door to Jaden Rashada and not dealing I with this anymore? I mean, I personally think he's sick of the NIL. Uh, he probably he won't say that, but he, he's got to be. Between some of the guys that they've gotten burned on in the in the past cycle, I mean, Cormani McClain obviously comes to mind, and Jaden Rashada the first time around when he went to Miami. Um, uh, I'll say this, if it doesn't work out, and Florida can, uh, or should I say that it's collective can get out of this NIL deal and Florida lets Jaden Rashad walk in terms of their letter of intent. You know, it doesn't hurt that you have a five-star quarterback committed for next year. Um, and DJ Lagway and heck I'd get as many online classes, uh, that I could get him signed up for and maybe try to get him reclassified for, uh, mm. for 23. Um, but Going back to what I said originally uh, or earlier, you know, if, if Rashada wasn't going to be your day one starter, you weren't counting on him. It doesn't hurt you as much in the short term. Um, but I think Billy, yeah, um, if it doesn't get worked out or this is going to drag out, um, I, I would imagine he and the staff and the program probably don't want to deal with it. Um, and it's either we're going to figure it out now. Or we're not going to figure it out at all. How much can they improve from last year to this upcoming season? I know it's a long offseason here, but the, the clock sure. ticks faster in the SEC for head coaches. Uh, the, the conference eats their own. And with Georgia and Tennessee and now the middle of the SEC East jammed with Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina, I'm curious where, where Billy Napier is versus where he has to be at this time next year. Yeah, it's interesting um, because – you know, there's been a, a few coaches here at Florida recently that have needed to take a few years to build. And, you know, some of them, uh, when they were trying to build and they had to recruit, didn't necessarily recruit the greatest. Uh, they didn't recruit bad, but they didn't recruit, I think, to the Florida standard. And that was something that, you know, I think the fan base was really sold on with Billy is that he had that reputation. And so far as recruited really well, despite this whole uh, Rashada debacle, um, you know, they, they, they've done a good job and it looks like they're on pace to do that for 2024. So maybe a little bit ahead of the curve on the recruiting trip, but on the football field, 
the wins have been hard to come by. And the last two coaches at Florida, even though they got off to slow starts in recruiting, they, they won right away. You know, Jim, Jim McElwain went to the SEC championship two years in a row, his first two years. Uh, Dan Mullen had 10 win season, 11 win season, his first two years, then an SEC championship game appearance. So even though they weren't recruiting well, they were winning on the field, which kind of bought them patience with the fan base. Uh, if Billy continues to recruit well, but has another season in 2023, like he did this past year, I, I'm curious as to where that patient is going to be at with the fan base, uh, because, you know, he might be recruiting, but he might not win uh, 10 games, you know, 11 games like some of these other coaches did their first and second year. So now you went six and seven. So it's easy to maybe improve the record. But I mean, I could easily see Florida having another six and six, seven and five type season, depending on where this roster finishes when all the dust settles from the transfer portal. And remember, we're still going to have this spring window after spring ball where you're going to be able to add some players. Florida will still have some roster spots. And if they get another Ricky Pearsall type addition in the spring, that could really, you know, maybe change the trajectory of the team. Florida would have been a different offense this year if they didn't have Ricky Pearsall. So there's still time for them to add some pieces, but I don't think you can necessarily count on that. So at this point, Florida has what they have, and that's a roster that's young, that's going through a lot of rebuild, and that's introducing a lot of new starters to the lineup. So um, it remains to be seen what type of steps that they can take, but the ceiling is pretty low from last year. Uh, but I just I'm, – I'm interested to see what the temperature is going to be like throughout the year if they have some struggles because if he doesn't win right away like the other coaches – He's going to face just as much pressure, and I don't know how much the recruiting can save him. So it's it's a critical time coming up, and I think Florida could potentially have, you know, a top five class in 2024. Uh, so, you know, if he can maybe get to eight or nine wins, then great. Uh, if not, he might need a you know number number one, number two, number three class to offset maybe another six and six, seven and five season. Zach Alberverde, you can uh, read his work and check out the Gators Online podcast from Gators Online. Uh, Zach, great perspective here, man. We appreciate this, and uh, chances sure. are the saga's just getting going here with Rashada. Even in Gainesville or somewhere else, uh, he'll take the the drama with him, it sounds like. I mean, there is part of me that uh, would be okay if he dragged this out all the way to, like, August <laughs> and, like, the week of enrollment for the fall semester because – That'll just give us a whole summer and off season of uh, Jaden Rashada coverage and page views. But um, at the same time, I'd be happy for this to end tomorrow. So. <laughs> well, if it does, we will, we'll have you back on to figure out how it ended so fast. We'll bring you uh, back in July when he's still holding out yeah. for more money yeah. from the Gator Collective. And the offer that continues to rise. Uh, thank you, Zach. We appreciate you, man. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Good visiting right. with y'all. Yeah, man. You too. Uh, there's NIL there in Gainesville and then NIL – in Baton Rouge for gymnastics and Livy Dunn and a gymnastics event that took place in Utah where they had to get more security because the LSU gymnastics team arrived with the NIL and influencer uh, dominator in Livy Dunn who has six and a half. She was our alpha of the year for the Chuck TikTok. Yes. We'll discuss just how much security and why. And the number of signs in the building for her is crazy. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'll kick 360 rolls on. Putney Withrow with you. So if you don't know, Olivia Dunn, Livy Dunn, uh, gymnast at LSU, is the most followed athlete, uh, college athlete on social media. And she has millions in name, image, likeness. Her value there is upwards of three million. Six and a half million followers on TikTok and two and a half million followers on Instagram. And where she goes, the crowds follow. They had a, a recent meet, LSU did, at Utah. And Chad, there was so much chanting and signs that it, it, they were you know, trash talking other gymnasts, uh, according to reports, that moving forward, LSU has changed their security setup because of her popularity. They will now, you know, it's routine that gymnasts after a meet, they go into the crowd and they see people or whatever. That's likely going to change. As well as just the process of getting to the bus and then to the hotel or the airport. I mean, you're traveling now like an NFL team. Yeah, and I know that they put out some <laughs> advisories about you know sportsmanship within gymnastics yes. and not booing yes. uh, competitors and all that. I know uh, LSU's done that. Other schools that she's visiting is doing the same thing. I find that kind of funny. Here's what I love about Livy Dunn in this story, and people get so bent out of shape about it. I don't understand it. Because Livy Dunn is exactly what name image likeness was, was presented for. This is, what, this is the benefit of it. It's to make money off your own name, image, likeness. We have perverted it, and we knew it would happen immediately into pay for play. That's what football and basketball has done, and baseball to some extent. Collectives have formed, and it's become more about it's going to cost this much to get this player at this position and this much for this player. That's perverted it. We knew it was going to go there, and that was going to happen. This is pure. Livy Dunn is making money off of her own name, image, likeness. She's not receiving money to be a gymnast at LSU over somewhere else. I don't think there's some Tiger Collective that's paying her a bunch of money to stay at LSU. She has marketed herself brilliantly, and she's making a ton of money. Good for her. I have no problem with it. Now, for the guys that are her age that are showing up, you know, painting their chest and spelling out Livy and doing all these things, I mean, I don't think that's probably the way to go about, you know, getting a date. Or picking someone up, but not to each their own, I guess. They were asking. Uh, they had signs trying to get her to enter the transfer portal. <laughs> That's funny. Is she taken? I have no idea. Does she present herself? I mean, it'd be smart if she presented herself as single on, now, on she's, social she media. She was still going around taking selfies and stuff with people. Yeah, you know? great. I mean, I if she, she's probably going to start charging for them and making even more. <laughs> You know, here's but, my Venmo. Give me 50 bucks, and I'll take a selfie with you. So I wonder, is, is like at this... Uh, at this competition, are they charging more because LSU is there as a part as opposed to other uh, competitions that they would host? I don't know. What if Livy but Dunn... But it's, it's a packed arena. What if she just went next level and decided, I'm, gonna, I'm going to negotiate a part of the gate for every event <laughs> I, I participate in or I won't do it when we go on the road because I'm bringing so many more people in. Yeah. I mean, she is the show. She's the draw. Oh, yeah. So... 
what was it? A Suni Lee was the U.S. gymnast who won gold, and then she's now at Auburn, or she was. I remember seeing that. She was like 16 or 17, and she committed to Auburn after she won gold in the Olympics. And then she was going to go compete as a gymnast at Auburn, I believe it was. Um, I wonder if she makes a lot in, in, in I.O. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, only I, know I, about I this because I, of uh, Livy Dunn. Yeah, I think you know? if, you're, if you're mad at Livy Dunn for making this money, you're just insanely jealous of Livy Dunn. Because again, love it or hate it, and you can hate Instagram influencers and TikTok. All it doesn't matter. Bottom line is, this is the reason that it was formed: was that they they wanted people to stop. They didn't want the school to get all the benefit of their top athletes and make money off their backs and their name, image, likeness. Livy Dunn is making this money not to stay at LSU and be a gymnast. She's making this money. Because her name, image, and likeness warrants this much money. So good for her. And she's addressing fans on social media saying, hey, love you. Uh, come and watch us. But please be respectful of the gymnasts and the, the gymnastics community. Like she's having to tell people, pipe it down. Don't bring the SEC atmosphere. How do you <laughs> think you those college guys are going to feel 15, 20 years from now <laughs> when they look back and they're one of the ones that showed up to a gymnastics event and just held up the Livy sign? They want to be that one. Probably about the same way I think about going to Backstreet Boys concerts years ago. And you know what? I still love, love it. Because I, yeah. I went a month ago. So probably they'll feel the same way. <laughs> well, you know what? If there's another the Livy Dunn, tour. I'll, I'll run it back. I'll go to another Livy Dunn gymnastics competition. Are they still on tour, Backstreet Boys? I don't know if the tour continues or not. I know they're making a lot of money on Did you purchase tour. the Christmas album? I did not. I've not listened to any of the Christmas album, believe it or not. It's a very specific mood Christmas you have soon. to be in to listen to a boy band. <laughs> That's why I ask you. You, yeah, you know the mood. It's more of a live event for me now. <laughs> it's not a get in the car and just say, you know, let's go 98 degrees radio right now and see what's happening with that and what they, what they play for me. A little LFO. <laughs> LFO. Girls of Summer. That was their yes. big hit. Yes. Then there was one other one, too. Light Girls That Wear Abercrombie and Fitch was I, part oh, of the song. I, that was a great hit. Yeah. And then NSYNC. Destroy all of them, except for Backstreet Boys. Don't say that to Chad. Still rocking and rolling, Backstreet Boys. Kevin Warren headed to the Chicago Bears. What does the Big Ten do next?